Welcome to the Lewis and Broad podcast, streaming from the corner of Lewis and Broad Street here in LaGrange, Georgia. Lewis and Broad is a storytelling podcast where we share the lives and tales of people and local organizations from our small town. My name is Leighton Parker, the director of Lewis and Broad, and here are your hosts, Pastor James Goodlett and Pastor Jan Tolbert. Welcome back, everybody, to the Lewis and Broad podcast. This is episode number 32. Hard to believe. 32 of these we have done. This is also the second episode of season number three. My name is James Goodlett. I'm one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian Church in beautiful LaGrange, Georgia. And I am joined, as always, by my good friend and colleague, the Reverend Jan Stewart Tolbert. Jan, how are we doing today? Oh, James, today is a good day, but can you believe that March is just marching on? What is March, anyway? March is... I mean, I know that was a very philosophical <laughs> I don't know question. what March is. All I know is, I thought we were on our way to spring, and then we had the coldest weekend I've felt in a long, long time, and, you know, here we are. Here we are, and I think the reason I asked that question is, you know that old phrase about March? March is in like a lion and out like a lamb. Yep, I've heard that. I don't know what it means, but I've heard I it. think it means it comes in quite blustery and cold. I believe the 13th was the 29th anniversary of the blizzard of 93. Brought some feet of snow here mm-hmm. to the south. Anyways, you never know what you're going to get in March. I remember that blizzard, but also I think I heard this morning on the news that uh, it was two years ago today when everything shut down. Well, that's the truth. Yes, it is. We have been in pandemia for two years. So March carries a lot of lioness kinds of things. Thanks, March. <laughs> you're the best. <laughs> but here we are in studio Yep. And we're moving forward. and It's a beautiful day out today. It's a beautiful day outside. Let's not forget who else is in studio with us, as always. Our producer and director extraordinaire. Is her microphone on today? She's shaking her head no. Come on, Leighton. Give the people just a quick shout out. Hey. Good job, Leighton. Thank <laughs> you. That's Leighton Parker. 32 episodes in, and that might be the most that she said in any she's, of our episodes. She's very busy, though. Do she not be is. deceived. She's she's working everything in here. She is, and you know what else she's working on? May the 1st, baby. May the 1st. For those of you who have not listened to us in a minute, last week we had a big announcement that the season we will be focusing upon the music scene in LaGrange, GA. And as a prelude, ooh, prelude. (laughs) (laughs) To all of that, we made a big, I'm I'm cracking myself up over here. (laughs) We made a big announcement that on May the 1st, we will be hosting, Lewis and Broad will be hosting a music festival called Listen, LaGrange, a music festival to fight poverty. All proceeds for that or from that festival will go to support circles of Troop County who are very much on the front lines of fighting poverty in this area. So stay tuned. Again, that's going to be May the 1st. It will be at Pure Life Studios. It's going to be an amazing day of live music. 
we will have food trucks. We will have all kinds of beverages for the children's and for the adults. And it's just going to be a good time to enjoy some live music for a really, really good cause. I so, think it's going to be something new for LaGrange that, you know, will probably continue for years and years. That is our hope. Yep. Let's, I- let's listen to some good music and let's come together as a community because especially after these last couple of years, as you said, we need it. We need to be together. We need to be together. So... With that being said, let's launch into our episode, our interview for today. We are honored today to have Kevin Dunn in studio. Kevin Dunn is a father. He is an entrepreneur. He opened Dunn for You Advertising, which does digital advertising throughout the uh, Troop County marketplace. But... That is not why we brought him in here. I mean, th- those are important things. I'm not trying to throw that under the bus, Kevin. But but we brought you in here today because you are an unbelievable musician, and we want to hear a little bit about your story. So, Kevin, welcome to Lewis and Broad in studio today. It's an honor to be here, and uh, I'm elated that you guys thought enough of me to come in and uh, share the story, and I appreciate what you're doing, and thank you so much. Y'all are in for a treat today, and I would invite you to go to lewisandbroad.org and check out Jan's story on Kevin. Kevin, tell us a little bit about your roots, where you grew up, and yeah, who you are. Even though I've been living in LaGrange for some 22 years, I was actually born and raised in Lynette, Alabama, which is about 13 miles south of here, raised in a home with educators, mom and dad, combined 85 years of teaching experience, dad coaching for 35 years along with that, have two siblings. And um, looking at life now, I was very fortunate to to be in a family, the family that I was raised in and having a, a great father figure who actually, you know, paved the road for me, even though there were a lot of times I didn't follow a long time ago, but I did have a strong uh, background. And all of my siblings and uh, my cousins and I, we, we were all somewhat musically inclined. Everybody played a high school instrument when they were in the high school band. I played a trumpet. And, and most of all of us sing as well. So people ask my dad now, where did that come from? He has no idea. And so he's, he's 92 years old now, still very active and uh, still going strong. So I was raised in a family who actually gave back unselfishly to the community and everything that they did, not only their jobs, but just just humanitarians. And I, I knew later on in life that I wanted to be able to do something to give back in some shape, form, or fashion. I didn't know what, but I knew I wanted to do some of the things that they, they were successful at. And, and that's just giving of themselves and making others better around them. That's great. Kevin, you were telling me when we talked last week about you were kind of at a vocational crossroads. Mm-hmm. You'd been at a job for 12 years, mm-hmm. got laid off from that job, and trying to discern what's next. What's next? Can you pick up that and, and tell our listeners? I was there for 12 years, and uh, a layoff came, and so I knew I would have a lot of idle time. I knew I had the gift to sing, so I, I told myself that I wanted to volunteer in some capacity and, and just share the gift of song. And I initially said that I was going to 
uh, reach out to some local nursing homes to see if I could come in and uh, sing. One morning, you know, the kids were all young. They were, I think the youngest two, they were at Hollis Hand. And, and one morning, I was taking them to Hollis Hand. And, and when I came back home, I was at the traffic light by uh, Clark Holder, Emory Clark Holder Clinic. And this voice spoke to me just as clear as we are talking today and just said hospice. That's where you need to go and sing. And I, I fought with that. Did not want to do that uh, because I just had a lot of misconceptions about hospice. And, well, it was just only one thing in my mind. People just go there to die. And I know I don't want to go and sing to people who eventually could die because I, I felt I was a compassionate person. I knew I probably could get close to people who would eventually pass on. But after marinating on that for two or three weeks and receiving two other revelations, I, I kind of made the call with the hospice coordinator who was uh, Joyce Wood at that time and, hey, what do I need to do to come in and volunteer? Isn't it interesting how you said you had made up your mind exactly. that you would go to nursing homes uh-huh. mm-hmm. <laughs> and God had made up a different plan he for did. you. He did. And thankfully you listened to that. I, I go back and look at all these years and, you know, how long I've been doing this. And uh, this, I, I'm, I'm thankful I did listen to that voice. Yep. What I think is interesting is you had just been laid off. Mm-hmm. And your mind goes to, how can I volunteer? That's, that's not where my mind would probably go. My mind would be, how do I survive? What's my next job? How, where am I going to get the money from? And yet you're thinking about, how can I volunteer? And that was another God thing, too, because, I don't know, I was, I was just given something internally that told me that there were a lot more important things going on in the world than just me losing my job. And it was a God thing, because, yeah, I was thinking about that a little bit, but I think I had a new nice little severance package, too, I could, you know, <laughs> lay home for a while. But even with that, though, even with I that, mean, yeah. if we're being real, I, that's true. you're probably, I'm thinking... That's true. Okay, I might have this little bit of money, but I'm not necessarily thinking volunteering. So good, good on you. That's that's amazing. Well, thank you. Like I said, it was placed in me. I don't take all the credit for that. <laughs> so you have this this encounter, this experience, mm-hmm. this voice yes. that says hospice, mm-hmm. and you said it was extraordinarily clear. Very clear. And as so many of our call stories in Scripture unfold, there's a bit of a, a wrestling match with that calling. Mm-hmm. But eventually you do go to hospice. Okay. Say a little bit about your first impressions of being there and, and how it all unfolded. Wow. That's like I said, that's, that's a long time ago, but I, I think the first thing I wanted to, to learn, you know, what were the do's and don'ts? What, what do I need to do? What do I not need to do? But they had, a training, almost like a training manual to, to let you know what, you know, what is expected of you, what is not expected of you, the, uh, the confidentiality of, of being there. And I, I wanted to go there to sing, but eventually it just came into just doing whatever a family needed me to do. Singing was priority, but, you know, there have been times I've been asked to pray. There have been times I've been asked to just, just come in and, you know, uh, sing. But, Basically, just just walking through the guidelines and 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 just giving of myself through song. And like I said, we, we're talking about 19 years ago. So when I first walked in, there's a lot I don't remember that what took place. I just I just had this little box with me. I would 
would take it in, and uh, they have four different pots in, in the hospice area, a total of 16 rooms, and I would take this little box, and I would go into the, the pod area and just, you know, do two or three songs in each area, and that was just what I did. You've been doing that, you said, for 19 years? Yes. 19 years. It would have been 20, yeah, except for the COVID year, right? Yes. It was a whole year we couldn't come in the building until, you know, things were clear for us to come back. That was hard, too. So I'm really interested then in how your perception of hospice changed from when you had that experience at the traffic light to where you are now. That's a very good question. I understand that it is definitely a calling because now I'm totally the opposite. I, I cringe when I go into a nursing home. I'm comfortable being at hospice. People hear that, and they're like, it doesn't make sense. It appeared that you would be a little bit more, less uncomfortable at hospice. But I, I know that I'm, I'm called to be there. The nursing home just has this feeling, this, this dreariness. It, it's, it's just a weight on me that I just don't like being there. I've, I've gone. When I'm asked to sing, I'll, I'll come in. Not much have been asked to go to nursing homes, but it's just a, it's just a different feeling. But hospice now, I, I know I belong there. Well, and that's not necessarily a saying that nursing homes are bad and hospice exactly. is good. Right. It's, it's, it's more just, it sounds to me, what I'm hearing you say mm-hmm. is that it is, you feel called yes. to serve hospice as opposed to, I mean, we, we all have our, our ways of saying, I feel called to certain things and I just know that this is not for me. And that's what I'm hearing you say when you talk it's, about that. Exactly. And, I'm, and I thank you for uh, sharing that. It's just no matter what I see in hospice, no matter what I hear, no matter how bad it is, no matter what it is, I'm supposed to be here. So I've been given the grace to handle everything that comes along with it. Yeah, I think not only have you been given the grace to handle it, but kind of understand it and see it as holy space, as God is in this space in some way. Not that God is not everywhere, but there's something just kind of everything stripped away and hospice, and you're there, and you're there with people, family, lo- with their loved ones, and I think, it, I think it does become really holy, holy ground. Can you share of any particular memory or story or of, of being on that holy ground? Yeah, two come to mind. I think I share it with you. One of the first stories, I was singing Amazing Grace, and once I finished, this family, it was about three People, they came out and they were just, I mean, cheer me on as if I had scored the winning touchdown in a championship game or something like that. And I'm like, what is going on? You know, why? You know, I didn't say that. I was just looking around. And then they said, we are so thankful for you. Our loved one has been hanging on for like three or four weeks. But we felt that when they heard God through your voice singing Amazing Grace, they felt it was okay to release and go ahead and, and be with the Lord. And that's what they were applauding me for because that's something they had been waiting on, you know, for three or four weeks. And it finally happened, and it gave them a peace. And back to what you said about being holy, it's, it's good to sing in venues where 500,000 people are. I've been blessed to do that, but in this particular place, just that one-on-one time with God and ministering, there's nothing like that. Nothing like it at all. 
Yeah, I agree. The second story is I think I had been going to hospice anywhere from six to eight years. And like I told you earlier, I would have this karaoke box I would take with me. So uh, one particular day, my wife and I, we had swapped cars and the karaoke box was with her and I couldn't get to it. And so I was like, well, you just can't go today because you don't have your box. Just just sing without music. So that's what I did. And when I finished singing, a lady who had been there previously and had heard me with the karaoke machine, she said, Kevin, she said, come here. I want to I want to share something with you. And I hope you don't take it personal. And I'm like, go, go ahead and share. She said, I, don't get me wrong. I love it when you're singing with your music, when you're singing with your box. But today I was able to hear the true instrument that God has given you through your voice, just your voice only. And that blessed me even greater. With that lady, I would love to meet her again. I don't know who she was, but she actually started the acapella ministry at, at hospice. So from that day going forth, like I said, six to eight years, but the last 13, 14 years, I've been doing it strictly acapella. And she started that. Don't you love it when people come up to you and say, I just want to say this to you, and please don't take this don't take this personally, and you're just like, I love how you kind of took a deep breath. You're like, go ahead. You know what's coming is probably something you're going to take personally, and yet in, that, in the case of that story, yeah, that was a God moment. That was another God moment. You know, hospice, I, I can speak somewhat personally here, my wife's family is very much involved in, in opening Hospice of West Alabama in Tuscaloosa. That's okay. where okay. I lived before I came here. And and it was actually modeled off of Hospice of West Georgia. It is a holy, holy space. So my, my father-in-law and my brother-in-law are both medical directors at Hospice of West Alabama. I hear some of these amazing stories that happen there. On one level, I guess you could say... They give you the goosebumps, right? Mm-hmm. But also, they give you—they fill you with comfort. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of, the, of that very Celtic phrase, "thin mm-hmm. space." Exactly. Yeah, veil between what is visible and maybe what is non-visible or eternal gets really, really thin. And and I know part of your story is that for you, you volunteer at hospice, but. Mm-hmm. Hospice also took on a very, very personal bent when your wife had to go there. Can you speak a little bit about that? Yes, we were in year 14. My wife had actually developed breast cancer probably three or four years prior to that and um, had the double mastectomy and, and the radiation. And everything was good for like two years. So after the third year, had some liver issues, things got worse. Here I am after year 14, always walking in the building, never sat down, not one time. So here I am finding I'm sitting in the same chair that I've ministered to so many who sat in the same chair. Mm -hmm. So here I am, you know, and uh, I had questions with God. I'm like, no, God, you know, I know there's a lot of areas I hadn't really been faithful in. I say, but this is one area, you know, I've been coming here once a week every year for 14 years. So surely you didn't bring us here in this place 
to let it in here, somewhere where I've been faithful. And I, and I wrestled with that for a while, uh, a few days. And I, I talked with a great friend of mine who was a pastor, and he put another spin on it. He said, could those 14 years have been preparing you for this moment? The answer was yes. I, I, I felt that because, you know, God knows all. He sees all. And he, he is mapping out our, our steps are ordered. So I, I, I began to feel that those 14 years did prepare me for this moment. And I began to let those ill feelings toward God be released. Because, you know, we don't win that process anyway. It's just a fleshly, the fleshly part of us. And I still look at that room now because I was there today. I go, I go every Monday. And after she passed and we got things out of the way, I took maybe three or four weeks off just to clear my head. And then after those three or four weeks, I came back because I knew that was something. I didn't want to stop, but I knew that was something she definitely would not want me to stop. I think it's really amazing how you as a father mm-hmm. model that faithfulness. And curious if, if your experiences at hospice have in any way impacted your kids or, or your volunteerism or if there's anything. Yeah, and I, there, there, there are times I've, I've brought them up because I wanted them to be able to see too as well, you know, what, what God has allowed me to do. But as far as experiences for them, I don't really, I can't really say, but, but as far as who my wife was, she, she was a warrior. She was a daredevil. She was, uh, she didn't have a lot of pity parties and her mentality was, okay, you get knocked down today. You can stay down today, but tomorrow you put the boxing gloves back on and you keep fighting. You know, life, life's not fair for a lot of people, but you don't give up. Knowing that, we had to continue to live because I told the kids if we didn't live, that would tarnish her legacy. She taught me how to live. I found a way to live. The kids found a way to see me living, and I think it was uh, instrumental in them continuing to live because they have done great things since their mom has physically not been here. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, really. That's, I appreciate you sharing that. Here, I want to ask you one more thing. Okay. Would you sing? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and tell our listeners while he's preparing himself that we in no shape, form, or fashion prepared him for this moment. <laughs> no, we didn't. That's another beauty of being at hospice. You have to be able to be on the fly and be on the go because you never know what's going to happen. So that's another thing that hospice have taught me too. I feel very similar about being around Jan. I never know what she's going to throw at us. And you, you just, here you are. She, yeah. just, just, yeah. she just did this to you <laughs> okay. and, and here we go. But for the record, I'm fully on board and in support of this because I want to hear you sing. So. Okay, I'll do a, a verse of something real quick. Okay. I think our listeners want to hear too. Okay. Thank you. There's a sweet, sweet spirit. In this place, and I know that it's the Spirit of the Lord. There's a sweet expression on each face, and I know that it's the presence of the Lord, sweet Holy Spirit, sweet heavenly dove, stay right here with us 
filling us with your love. And for these blessings, we lift our hearts with praise. Without a doubt, we'll know that we have been revived when we shall leave this place. Kevin, thank you. Beautiful. Amen. We just went to church, man. (laughs) Who knows what I'm talking about? That was lovely. I just thank God that he, and like I said, singing a cappella years and years and years, and and even with hospitals, learning to deal with distractions, learning to deal with, because you never know what's going on, what you hear. You just have to just continue to flow with what you're doing and, and not be distracted about what you hear. So that, that has taught me a lot, too, as well. To I'm able to remove distractions when God has allowed me to minister, mm. which that didn't used to be easy for me a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I hear you there. But that'll preach. Yeah. Where can we find you in terms of your music? I know that obviously you volunteer at hospice, but I know mm-hmm. you've also indicated that that there might be some places where we can access some of your recorded work or online or anything like that. I do have a few songs that are on all the uh, social media sites. Uh, name a few: Amazon Music, Spotify, uh, Apple, iTunes. I do have a music Facebook page at Kevin R. Dunn. You can go and uh, connect with me there. I also have a YouTube channel. I've been fortunate to write and record a few professional songs that are, are listed there as well that you can go listen to. And some some videos as well. There, there are three videos that I've recorded with a few songs as well. So those are three areas you can go and find me. Well, Kevin, we thank you. Thank you for your music, and we thank you for your ministry. We thank you for coming into studio and I personally want to say thanks to Jan for asking you to sing. That made my day. Thank you all so much. And for your singing it, <laughs> for your uh, bringing it to us. That was really, really powerful stuff. Thank you. And thank you for the amazing work that you're doing at Hospice of West Georgia and in our community. Thank you so much. Honored to have you in the studio today. Again, a reminder, Lewis and Broad presents Listen LaGrange, a music festival to fight poverty. will be on Sunday, May the 1st. It will be from 2 to 6 p.m., at Pure Life Studios. Hope you will join us. Uh, Next week's guest on episode number 33 will be Lauren Hicks. Lauren is a singer-songwriter, a indie folk pop singer-songwriter. She will be singing at Listen LaGrange. Uh, She's also a college student here at LaGrange College. She's got a really, really cool story, and we look forward to bringing her in for the interview next week. Pay attention for our stories online at lewisandbroad.org. And as always, you can engage us on social media at Lewis and Broad. Thank you again for joining us. We're honored to have you. And as always, remember who and whose you are. We will see y'all next time. Thanks for joining us this week on Lewis and Broad. Make sure to visit our website at fbclagrange.org slash lewisandbroad where you can read our articles and subscribe to our show in iTunes and Spotify. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Until next time.